I'm John. And I'm Jason. And this is Digital Divination on the No Direction Network. We're back for episode 87 of Digital Divination. And for some reason, we have Ron Lundin again. Uh, you want to make your disclaimer at the beginning? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can. Yes, I'm an employee yeah. of Wizards of the Coast, and the opinions I express are my own. Um, I think the reason that I'm on is because we texted about the last time. Yeah. And I don't know if you intentionally sent to the same, just responded to the same text that happened to have me on it to be like, how about uh, we record on Sunday night? I'm like, well, I don't know if I'll be there. I mean, I just sort of inserted <laughs> myself. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, that was intentional. Uh, I, I am like, um, I'm hopeful we can get you on once in a while, and if it happens to be consecutively or whatever, it's like it, it just was two in a row. Yeah, I know, now I know, I know. I know. Uh, Ron, Ron, I just assumed you'd never left the call. You've been here on this call the whole <laughs> you, week. You log in and here I still am. Yeah, I logged in and you were there. My computer. <laughs> so I just assumed you've been there the whole time. I have a difficulty with object permanence. Oh, oh, my dog has yeah. the same thing. It, it's great. You know. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> well, it's it's great to have both of you back again. And uh, uh, how's things been going? You know, it's past the 4th of July now and we're middle of summer. How's things going for you guys? Oh, I have. Can I insert? I, uh, let me go with a quick story. I sure, went back please. and visited family in Utah over the 4th of July. It was great. We went to an amusement park. Uh, Lagoon is the big amusement park out there. I grew up going to Lagoon. I love it. It's one of my favorite amusement parks. I had the scariest ride experience ever Ooh. at Lagoon. And it wasn't one of their awesome throw rides like Cannibal or Wicked, which are great. No, it was on the little little thing that, spin, that spins you around while music's going. The, right? the oh, merry-go-round? Yeah. Car a carousel? No, no. <laughs> no, you sit in like a little car and it kind of goes kind of fast. I don't know how to describe it. It is it's sort of like a, a carousel, but you sit in a car and it goes really fast. Does it, does it spin around? Yeah, is it a <laughs> Is it a tilt-a-whirl? A scrambler sometimes is no, known as. No, it, it doesn't. You're just going in a circle. You're not spinning while you go in a circle. Okay, cyclotron. But that leads, this, this one but that leads to the story. Thing. So the scariest experience I've ever had, I'm in this by myself because my kids are off riding something else and just seated next to me because it was really busy is like this is a six-year-old girl. I happen to know her, right? Relative. Okay. And just as the ride's about to start, her dad, who is sort of on the sidelines, look, leans over and goes, honey, is your tummy feeling okay yet? <laughs> <laughs> and then the ride starts. <laughs> oh, Lord. Now, it turned out, it was, it was okay. Her tummy was, in fact, fine, thank goodness. But those moments of, oh, oh my goodness, stop the ride, I have to <laughs> get off, were among the most <laughs> terrifying I've had on any amusement park ride ever. Wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay, uh, but you guys, how about you? John, how is your recovery going? It, it's it's getting better. I'm uh, I'm still having some discomfort, but like for the last like three days over the weekend, I've actually been able to shift from sleeping just on my back to on my side, 
which extends my sleeping time period because <laughs> I never sleep oh. on my back. I usually sleep on my side and I've only been getting like five hours sleep a night sleeping on my back because then I wake up and I can't sleep anymore. It's uncomfortable. And so now I've been able to sleep a little bit on my side and getting like seven to eight hours in a row on the weekend. And Good. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I feel I'm pretty I think I'm about two weeks from being everything's about back to normal. Great, 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 great. Um, Jason, uh, you. Yeah, I'm doing fine. Um, I got a lot of games uh, that that have been happening, which is which is pretty cool. Um, I am actually like it'll be a, our second session of Abomination Vaults this coming Tuesday. Oh, nice! Uh, I'm playing through Foundry. Yeah, um, uh, so that's fun, and um, you know, uh, other stuff, uh, tons of other stuff. Our Fourth of July was fine. It was pretty quiet, except for until like. 11 o'clock at night is when they someone on the street outside our apartment complex started lighting fireworks uh which is didn't the the dog did not appreciate that and it was i got really mad about it um but i didn't do anything so we just waited it out and eventually it stopped yeah my neighbors they have teenage kids now the house right next door to mine to the left of the house were blown off all kinds of stuff right in front of our house right Mm -hmm. right there super loud but and and Ron, you might know this already. Chance is like going deaf. He didn't mm-hmm. hear any of it. So yeah, he was like, oh, what a great, the, the a most perfect dog Fourth of July. Yeah, the most mellow and calm the whole time. That it was oh, not a big deal. Yeah, so. that's good. That's good. Our dog like heard the first couple kind of close explosions, got upset about it, and then I guess just like shut down emotionally or something because then he just oh. fell asleep. We'd given him some uh, uh, some gabapentin, which is a sort of a calming drug, right, right, uh, right, right. earlier in the evening. But he was so zonked out that uh, Paul and I were worried about him, and kind of both of us were up every like hour in the night just checking on him to make sure he was okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it was a it was wow. a, it was a rough night for the both of us, but you know, yeah, whatever. It was a long weekend, so that was nice. I, yeah. yeah, I took Monday off, so I had a nice four day weekend. Nice. Very oh, nice. sweet. Well, uh, Ron, you were talking about your uh, your trip to this amusement park, and I think that mm-hmm. would be a great segue into discussing what Jason has been wanting to share with us from something that he wrote in Ports yes. of Call, a hardcover right. that recently came out for Starfinder. Uh, what is that, Jason? Well, that's a little thing called Galarian World. Um, Paizo just put a blog up about it, sort of highlighting it, uh, saying, hey, plan it and showing some art from it. Um, and it made me think about it again. And, uh, uh, you know, we'd sort of, I talked about how I'd written this planet-sized amusement park for the Starfinder universe based on Galarian, basically essentially based on Pathfinder um, in a lot of ways. So uh, I was, I, when the book came back out, when, the, when I got my hardcover of the book, I, I read it again. And it's one of the, probably dumbest things i've ever had a pleasure of writing <laughs> it's so silly and i can't it's one of those things i can't believe that i got to write it kind of thing like i got away with this like i i pulled this over on over some you know like i pulled the wool over someone's <laughs> eyes essentially to get this because it's been kind of like it's been in the back of my head i love taking like making fake pop culture for for stuff in a lot of ways and doing sort of the dumbest things. And I always had this thought about like, what would be hilarious if they're like the iconics from Pathfinder were amusement park mascots. Mm-hmm. And so you could get like a big headed Val, like a cartoony big headed Valoros sort of walking around the park and like, Oh yeah. Galarian world. It would be like a, a you know, a, um, a Renaissance fair. That's the history is just basically wrong, but also mixed with a lot of like Disney world and, and that kind of stuff. Um, 
I uh, I also had an amusement park growing up near a small one uh, growing up near me, uh, where I grew up called Clementon Park, and it had a like a uh, it eventually had like a one water slide attached to it. It was like rickety as heck. Um, the the old it was an old wooden roller coaster. When you ride that, you could feel it falling apart. Um, a real kind of like janky, dark, haunted house situation where you'd walk through it and it was just like rubber devil masks and whatnot. Um, and I, I know I love the place, um, uh, because it's so, so kind of like run down. It's kind of weirdly in the middle of a, a you know, it's not like off in, in its own, it's a lot of cement, you know, it's just sort of like not lush at all. You know, it's just a, like a carnival almost, but, but an amusement park. Um, so I, you know, I, I think about that stuff a lot and I, you know, I, I, I used to love going to Disney world and, and, uh, uh, universal studios and, that kind of stuff. Um, so I, I decided, like, what if uh, we were talking about ports of call when we were pitching this book and a lot of things about it? People talking about what's it going to be and, and where are the places we're going to go. And I jokingly, uh, to like Eric and Joe Pacini and John Compton, pitched this Galarian world. What about Galarian world? I've always wanted to do this thing called Galarian world, which is a fake amusement park. And they, everyone was like, yeah, do it. I'm like, <laughs> re- re- really? I was, I didn't think anyone would want that to happen. So 75% that was, that was not a, one, you know, not a suggestion. Um, and then they were like, "Yeah, do it." And so I did it, and uh, I got to write it. And... Well, it's cool. cool. It's yeah. fun. So w- there's several. And how much? How much? Sub-part. How much Galarian World is in it? Yeah. Like how many? Like it, how many pages of Galarian World of all of Ports of Call? Oh, like eight or ten or however long the sort of larger okay. sections are. It's not. A, you know, this is a nice okay. size book. It's got a lot of also great stuff in it. Uh, uh, stuff that you can use for like other campaigns, like an expanded look at Outpost Zed if you've got it, like say, an against the Aeon Throne campaign still going, or a, 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 a sort of a, a larger look at Locus One from Liberation of Locus One. Those are both Aslanti related, uh, ironically. Uh, but there's also some stuff that uh, you know we we talked about but never really showcased. Uh, in depth, um, the giant planet Anduar, the uh, the home planet of the the uh, Osharu, for instance, I think is in here, um, and stuff that so, so it's sort of it, it's the it's the book that's the end of the culmination of the drift crisis, and says, oh, all these drift lanes are open up, so there's going to be a lot more travel, right? So here's some places that you can go for your campaign, some places that are new, some places that are uh, old but need some flesh, fleshing out, some places that are now easier to get to because of the drift lanes, right? And you can make this your home base and have a whole campaign here. And Glaring World is one of the new places. That's sort of like a lush planet is discovered out there uh, in the vast, and the, basically it's discovered by an... Um, it's not an amusement park company, but it's a um, it's it's New Horizons Luxury Retreats, which is a, a company that has come back uh, over and over again. And then they're like the vice president of theme parks is like, I, oh, I'm a I'm an amateur historian. I'd love to make turn this into Galarian, you know, a recreation of Galarian, but with rides. Um, and so he does. And so it's it's all and, you know, it's it's all goofy in a lot of ways. There's like rides based off of. Uh, roller coasters and the, you know based off dragons and and, uh, and stunt spectacular one of uh, you know uh, uh, Tarbifon sort of sieging uh, Absalom Island is a sort of nightly stunt spectacular <laughs> um, one of the one of the one of the things that I also can't believe is in here is uh, <laughs> the test of the Starstone Burger um, which is a giant you know, like going on whatever I said, like a half a pound of meat. And if you can eat it all in one sitting, you get your picture taken and put up on the God, the, the wall of food gods. 
it takes everything that I, it's sort of like my love letter to Pathfinder in a lot of ways. Like everything I sort of like, you know, there's, there's specific areas that are sort of like the most thematic and cause, 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 you know, at least, um, uh, uh the inner sea region is kind of a, a theme park in of itself. Right. It's got sort of like, here's the ancient Egyptian land and here's the pirates area and here's the winter area and here's the spooky ghost area. Right. Like it's, it's got its own sort of, and it's just sort of, distilling that to, into its into its essences of of like oh yeah you want to go and 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 hang out at um yeah uh, uh Chelyax land and then there's a abergrail thrun impersonator who's there and walks around and insults people uh like the wicked queen uh and it, it does in disneyland right in disney world there's always this one actress who's like oh walks and people are like, oh they love it they love being insulted so yeah um I feel like I'm talking a lot and just sort of bouncing around from subject to subject. So I don't, I don't know how to, if there's any focused way to talk about this or, or if I should just shut up about it. No, I like hearing about it. That's yeah. I, well, you know, Ron, you have a lot of experience with, with Pathfinder, you know, that's where you cut your teeth and, you know, did a lot with the lore and everything. I'm sure. Um, what I, I guess, um, you know, if, if Jason, if you could talk about, the various lands you set up and then sure. Ron, maybe what do you think is missing from these things? Oh, about There's, each of those. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Um, your stay begins. Well, first of all, there's um, a, a in orbit uh, a sort of small space station. Uh, I think it's I think I called it Corto Station, um, where you sort of go and it's where you buy your tickets and then you're shuttled down. Uh, you know, you don't bring you can't bring a spaceship down with you. You have to be shuttled down onto Absalom Island, which is the hub uh, of the entire place, um, and right. that's where it's sort of built like you know a big major city, and that's where you can you know eat at the Tesla get the Tesla Starstone Burger, and then there's sort of there branch off into the other many of the lands maybe taking a tram or 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 a, you can buy a um a package that lets you actually go out into the wilderness and be a real adventurer kind of stuff um but then uh, from there you uh, the one of the closest ones is probably Shelly Axe land which has of course the uh, uh a roller co- a hover coaster called the devil's bargain uh which you are plunged into a pit uh 300 foot pit, foot deep pit which like with hologram devils sort of grabbing at you and whatever um and then you know abigail through and walks around she she talks to people there's a there's a ride that's kind of almost like what you were describing called the the throne cross which is just a shape like the 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 symbol of chiliax right uh that sort mm-hmm. of cross with the sun circle and it spins um stuff like that uh so uh uh yeah, <laughs> this is weird. I feel like this is weird. All of yeah, a I know. Uh, it's kind of a different. Uh... Oh, good. Well, here's now. Well, yeah, I could just sort of name things... all the lands and then you could tell me whatever. Well, one of the things that seems weirdly ahistorical about it is I can see a situation in which somebody. Let me back up. It is not clear and is intentionally not clear when the gap was yeah. in Galarian's history. Right. And in my mind. Galarian kind of got up to what modern day is, right? You know, yeah. sort of the yeah, be, yeah. maybe the average technology we have today, and then the gap happened, and maybe a little slightly better than the technology we have today. But that's, I mean, there's no reason rhyme or reason to that other than my own thinking. It could have been, you know, the the current Pathfinder year, you know, forty seven twenty three. Maybe this all happened in forty seven twenty five, right? And it was just surprise. There's the gap, yeah, yeah. and now. However many hundred years later, a couple sure. hundred years, a couple centuries but, later, it's the future. But I don't, I don't think so. But 
Anyway, so it seems to me, especially in my mind, of there being centuries, if not millennia, of history before the gap happens. So it's a weirdly specific time for a (laughs) historian. Maybe not for stuff like Geb or Tarbafon, because they're huge figures. Yeah. But like uh, uh, the blog, I haven't read Portugal's, but the blog mentions um, uh, Eutropia, Empress Eutropia of Kaldor. Yeah, I mean, it's, she's she's a big deal for the War for the Crown adventure path, but I think in the long, millennia-long history of Taldor, she's kind of no big deal. A small. It'd be yeah. like somebody being, "Hey, we've got this great, we've got all this historical stuff, and we're gonna one of our significant historical figures is going to be Philip of Macedon." <laughs> yeah. I mean, okay. I mean, you mean Alexander the Great's dad, right? Well, right, he was yeah. Philip was kind of a big deal in his own day too. I mean, well, yeah, but history's happened since, you know. Right, exactly. Um and when you mention Cheliacs as like the devil land and you're like, "All right, well, Abigail Thrune has actually ruled for a lot longer than many rulers have, sort of an un- unnaturally long lifespan." Does her unnaturally long lifespan go much longer than? Is that why she's picked or or what? Yeah. I mean, it's the the mystery of what what isn't said or what what a historian might think is the thing that kind of makes me sort of sink my teeth into this. It's like, well, there there sure isn't an Andoran land. No, Does that right. mean that from a historical perspective, there isn't an Andoran in existence for very long? So that's interesting. Knows? Yeah, it, 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 you know, you, uh, I, I kind of filtered a little bit through what a like a, a, a theme park executive would find interesting, kind of situation, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it, and or this amateur historian guy who you know just sort of picked things that he liked and made the parks that way, right? So it's the things that I like about you know Pathfinder, things that sort of stick out in mind that I think would be interesting to talk about, like to talk about make Princess, you know, uh, Queen Utropia a very Disney princess kind of figure. I think it's hilarious um, and whether or not, you know, it's sort of, it, because it's, it's, it's so specific um, and it, but it's people, it's stuff that people remember because it's, it's almost like the, it's almost like these theme park lands are kind of based off of the APs <laughs> because those are the right, sort of large right. oh, situations that so. I know about. Right. You know? Yeah. Well, in, in along those lines, actually what it was making me thinking is maybe sometime during post-scap, Somebody had invented a game that talked about certain things, certain <laughs> properties, Maybe. and that yeah. became very popular. And so this person decided, hey, this is what we want to put into our theme park so that maybe we could have spinoff movies and other merchandise later on, you know, just just like they would do. For, yeah. You know, think of Disney World and all those things that that they kind of incorporate into there, you know. <laughs> that, that could totally work if the historian was like. Well, we just shouldn't do anything with Queen Eutropia on the long history of Taldor, which I could go about at a great deal of length. She wasn't right. very significant. But some executive is like, but there was a book about her and it was gr- a hit with the kids. So right, you're yeah. putting her in regardless. She's the most remarkable. She has a dog. <laughs> like, right? Like, people love that. And I'm like, oh, well, yeah, okay. I guess we'll have to. Do it. Yeah, I mean, there, there, there's stuff in the article that says, says like, well, historians think this is all all over the place and it's not accurate at all so yeah it, there's there's some push and pull there um uh yeah that's a good that's a good point john uh there was one thing uh that unfortunately i had to like trim down i think for just for space in a i think a threefold conspiracy volume that crystal wrote 
she put some like treasure and one of the treasures was a veiled reference to the war for the crown adventure path like this sort of like historical novelization of you know his historical fiction thing that happened and it was it it was not called war for the crown it was what i've called like battle for the coroneters it had a different slightly different name but it was like it was a definitely like a tiny little paizo based easter egg which i thought was funny and i wanted to add it but like one of those are the things that kind of need to get cut first when it comes to copy <laughs> fit right unfortunately um it didn't add you know you know didn't really add to the story so it's just sort of so but yeah like hopefully there's a lot of like fun little easter eggs that i kind of threaded in there like you know that you rec- if you know things about the shackles whatever you might recognize the fact that oh yeah the it's funny that the barbecue restaurant is called the smoker uh because that that's the name of a volcano in the shackles right um yeah so um i i uh, I, I do think that like this is might i mean I, people want people say well you know people not very many people a couple people in the, in, in the in the comments are like this should be an adventure said in this and i was like well i could always think about that um but uh yeah, because the I, theme park run amok is entirely a trope that shows yes. up all over the place and yeah. now you've given us a theme park we demand things run amok in the theme definitely. park definitely yeah there's and, and it's and the, the fact that it is that it's all mis- powered by these mysterious cubes that they found underground on this planet to sort of throw in the it could go wrong in any second <laughs> situation right like cuz these cubes go there you know there's a dinosaur petting zoo too that could just go Jurassic Park right <laughs> yes it's yeah. all so, it's all good are there native peoples to the planet no it's everybody so uh, it was completely you know empty and just sort of they terraformed it and shaped it the map is vaguely you know like the inner sea region uh probably a little more compressed um and then just sort of it's just employees and like a very good theme park every employee is assigned like an area and then they have to be in character when they're running the shops or or being a a named character that's sort of the the big high and then they go off and live in uh small villages that aren't open to the public now i don't know if you all are familiar with uh the jubilee i think it's just called jubilee um it's a disney town basically right it's a disney owned town where disney employees and only disney employees and their families live so uh i had sort of one i had two versions two ways two ways to, to name these there's two towns uh, that are out outside the purview of guests that the people who work in this plant because they you can't leave and come you can't it can't be a day job right because it takes four weeks to get there so they live on the planet in Sandpoint which is one of the towns and Whistledown uh, which is a, a, a much more obscure reference but uh, those towns are basically and then there's people who 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 run businesses in those towns specifically who also live on the planet but don't work for the necessarily right. for the park right. so th- then those are towns that people can just oh you can go to the movies you can have a restaurant or whatever you know a chain restaurant there um but then they go underground to get into the tunnels to get to the places where they worked and stuff like that so those that think. area can have adventures too right you know this is delightful but the thing that i immediately realized when you said one of these employee only towns is sandpoint is the one of the classic little bits of lore about Sandpoint is as you come into the town, there's a small bit of mirror hanging up yeah. on the welcome post saying, you know, see others will, you know, look how you see yourself. Others will yeah. see you that way or something like that. That's exactly the kind of mirror you want hanging on one of these theme parks so people can adjust right, right. their costumes at the last yeah. second. That's a good point. I didn't add that, but that's, that's, that's great. <laughs> that's a great little uh, uh, detail. 
Well, neat. neat. Um, the the other the other thing that I have in here that that I'm sad is kind of gonna have to go away, unfortunately. Uh, is with some of the so there's, there's like um uh options uh, uh character options at the end of each of these sections. There might be some feats, there might be some gear, whatever. I threw in a bunch of potions, which are you know, based on uh, uh enhancement serums that are based off of each of the lands, essentially with different flavors. Oh, and they all have dumb dumbass slogans like citrus and shining armor. It's just I don't know. I went real stupid anyway. But the, the other thing they have is a, a an animal companion you can get, uh, which oh. is a pot bellied bullet. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. You talked about that before. Oh yes, yeah, this is where this comes from. Oh yes, oh yeah. If you want to get a tiny little bullet, uh, which of course can also be like that, can be an adventure in itself. You buy a pot bully, pot bellied bullet from Galarian World, bring it home, and of course it goes up to be a you know a normal sized bullet. Um, unfortunately, that's going to have to go back into the, go into the mists of time f- via the OGL stuff. But eventually, but is it, it was is it in, eventually like is it in the book right now it's in the book right now it's in the, it's book, in the book right now because ports of call okay. was done way before all of this and and okay. you know sense of the printer way before all of that um but you know it can't get picked up for the future Late whatever happens in the star finder you know anything done in you know within the next couple of years is gonna well, have to just whatever. so you could just errata it and change that name to something what would you call a what's a generic name for a bullet i mean everyone calls them land sharks there you go. Uh, I'll build land shark. sharks. I, I think that would be yes. Good. It's cool. It's good, and people will get it. But it's also probably also still too close. You know. Well, and a lot of the changes that Paizo has been making have been not. How do we pick a generic name for these things? Right, but it's yeah. how do we reimagine a different thing in this space? Yeah. Yeah. What what fills oh. the 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 niche of the owl bear, for instance, or, or that kind of stuff? Yeah. Um. Also, sort of like. So, uh, uh, talking about sort of like adventures in amusement parks, this year's uh, Starfinder Free RPG Day is called Operation Seaside Park, which is actually a little more based. Uh, uh, I outlined it, but uh, Jenny Drzebski wrote it. Um, uh, it's a little more based off of Clementon Park uh, because it's a smaller. It's got like one roller coaster and one merry-go-round or whatever roller uh, on on Castrovel, sort of uh, uh, in, uh, near the ocean, uh, 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 I think on like the coast where uh, Cabarat is. Um, and it's just sort of the small sort of clo- – it's closed down and, and, and then the, a swarm ship crashes into it. And so you're, you play the four agents who are sort of – or maybe it's five agents who are sent in to sort of just take out the swarm before they can spread. Um, and, it, you know, it's got, a, you know, some some – it's got that sort of like abandoned amusement park feel, which is also something that I I'm really keen on because those are can be. Creepy I really like that was my favorite part of the um, uh, what's the the adventure path, Agents of Edgewatch adventure path. Oh, yeah. I know Jason, yeah. you wrote for that too. My one of the chapters in the adventure I wrote was in an amusement park, an abandoned amusement park called Harrowland, where everything is based on the cards of the Harrow, and it was just super creepy old amusement <laughs> park stuff. That's just a lot of fun. It's a great setting. Yeah, the amusement parks are fun because you can have lots of things and you can have creepy animatronics or robots or constructs or ghosts and uh, real or uh, not real. You know, you can have the old man Withers trying to drive people out of uh, uh, out so you can get the gold underneath or whatever. Like, like it's 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 a it's it's fun that like I feel like. It's something that Pathfinder and obviously Starfinder, but Pathfinder can do like do these things that are kind of modern concepts. You didn't really have amusement parks in actual medieval Europe, right? 
you know, right. or even like Renaissance Europe, the art galleries and stuff, sort of, yeah, and and and, and whatever museums, but like nothing like that we consider w- would recognize as an amusement park. I think. Um, I guess it's not a hundred percent true. You have like you could have like a menage- menageries were a thing uh, for something right? like a zoo. Something like a zoo, you would have, but nothing like that would have have a be a ride, right? Like or a show. I mean, besides a yeah, play, Copenhagen has a really old amusement park, Tivoli, I think it's called. Oh it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like I, I think it's from the eighteen hundreds, but it's not you know like ancient history. Yeah, that's it's not ancient, but you know that's a, yeah. you know because Pathfinder kind of straddles that line a little bit because it does have you know, some clockworks and, 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 and mechanization and, and industrialization in some yeah. parts, it straddles that line between sort of the sort of like, Oh, 12, you know, eight, eight hundreds to 1800s kind of, you know, situation. Um, yeah. so you, yeah, so we can, you know, Absalom, for instance, giant city should be very metropolitan, very cosmopolitan. Uh, it would have, you know, something like an amusement park or a wax museum, some fun mm-hmm. sort of creepy thing that you can you can have send an adventure in, for sure. I think a lot about amusement parks. I've been thinking a lot about amusement parks more so lately, and I don't know why. Um, I've been actually watching this um, uh, YouTube series called Defunct Land uh, every so often, and it's about defunct amusement park rides and what happens to them in their history. And it's like, oh, do you know you can tie in the um, uh, to what happened in Tomorrowland uh, to Agent Orange? It's like it does this it does these real deep dives into stuff like that. Like it's because Monsanto used to sponsor a lot of Disneyland, oh, especially the Tomorrowland. Right. I remember that? Area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, and and then Monsanto, and then and then the, you know the Vietnam War happened, and Monsanto is one of the people who made all of the, all of the agents all of the different agents especially agent orange um uh and didn't want that to be uh advertised and then eventually it's sort of like they had to like basically sort of like we don't shut, know shut we, down we don't, all their marketing yeah, yeah exactly like you no know, monsanto we you know you don't know anything about monsanto it's 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 we're just gonna hide for a while just lay low and then that sort of led to uh, uh, you know, them pulling out of, of of Disneyland, and then that eventually leading to um, uh, uh, what's there now. Some of the stuff there's not just there, there was there was a, a specific thing, uh, but I can't remember what it is. So that's a really good story by me. He, yeah, I, pulled what, away. It's part of the history. As a kid, we lived in San Diego, so we went to Disneyland quite mm. a bit. Um, yeah. School trips or when people came to visit and stuff. And I remember well, this is back when you had to buy those. Ticket books. Yeah, the books. Yeah. Yeah. Rather than, you know, one, um, there was a, another theme park there that uh, basically gave you one, uh, one, one payment. You got free rides for everything and it took a while for mm. Disneyland to, to kind of switch over to that, that right, model. Yeah. Um, yeah. Lagoon still has on most of its rides, how many tickets it costs oh, to ride boy. it. Even yeah. though I don't, I don't know that. I mean, they must still sell tickets, but yeah. everybody I ever know that goes there just gets the entry pass, right. which lets you ride everything. Right. And so it's sort of a it's quaint to see. Oh, this one. I remember when I was younger, thinking that stuff that was worth more tickets is probably a lot more fun. So if I'm going to go right. wait in a line, That's, I want this right. new ride that takes ten tickets rather than this ride that takes five. Yeah, the so, double E ticket. That's how they get you. 
doubly ticket was the one you wanted at Disneyland. Yeah. You know, if you did the teacup saw, that was with the A's or whatever, but you know, if you want to go on <laughs> Space Mountain or um any of those, it's like yeah, I, was, I remember when Space Mountain opened up, we we went there for a school trip and we go during the week and there was no line at all. And so oh, we literally so nice. went on it twenty nine times in a row. As soon as we got off, <laughs> we'd race to the front wow. and get on it again. And it was like, wow, this is, but you're, you know, you're some kid. That's kind of what you're doing. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's, and uh, yeah, I've not? never been to a park that has been that uncrowded since then though. So mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. like, maybe during the pandemic it was like that. I don't know. Maybe uh, We had some of that, not this time we went to Lagoon, but the last time my kids, just as the park was closing down, one of the rides that's sort of a thrill ride for a 10 year old, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it feels too dangerously rickety called the wild mouse and my kids were able to just go on the wild mouse like a big i mean something like you know 10 or 12 times in a row right at the end yeah and it was like at the the very end of the night and obviously everything's kind of shutting down and they're like oh can we go again can we go again i'm like until they tell you no keep going (laughs) and they just kept going and going uh during a um spring break in in college uh we went to disney world and then we 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 got like did a whole thing where we got reservations at a restaurant at epcot uh to have fancy a fancy night out we got dressed up and and, and went to the fancy night out um but we got a real late reservation so when we were we were basically one of the last people to leave the park and we were actually i think it actually had been closed because uh uh they loaded us up into a couple golf carts and drove us from the restaurant to the park entrance just to make sure we were, because the park is closed. We can't do anything else. And they didn't want to sort of just wandering around the park. They didn't, wanted to make sure we, we we left, right? And just sort of like cruising through Epcot at like, I don't know, like midnight or 1 a.m. or something like yeah. that on a, on a golf cart was like, wow, this park's closed. That's pretty cool. And that's where all your creepy, haunted, that's abandoned probably, amusement park ideas came from. That's probably true. It's probably a little bit of Clementon Park from growing up. Uh, a little bit of that. A little bit of uh, just... Um, uh, uh, I, I was in a Disney World parade at one point uh, because my marching high school marching band, uh, they just... I don't know why they picked certain high schools, but some march, sometimes marching bands get to march in a parade. So I, I've gotten to see uh, a bat, some of the backstage at Disney World. That was kind of cool. Um, and then march in this parade and then just sort of have the rest of the, whatever, that spring break, you know, to mess around at Disney World, but you know, as a, you know, 17-year-old. I did uh, backstage at Disney World for an entirely different and way less cool reason. I worked for, I did work for the um, a series of like health clinics and while I was vacationing at Disney World, I'm like, hey, I know one of the health clinics is for, would you say, Jubilee, right? Yeah. I, 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 I would like to see it when I'm there. And they gave me some perk. Then, you know, mm-hmm. let my family go off and do rides while they gave me kind of a tour back through the costumes and everything. And then to, cool. so I got to see how Disney World workers who get sick, what they have to do right i mean it was oh, no. which at the time was very interesting but i guess in retrospect was probably not the coolest reason to be <laughs> backstage it's yeah. it's good i yeah it's fun amusement parks you know yes galarian uh, world yeah galarian have world. more adventures there oh 
I gotta think. I gotta consider whether or not I, I, you know, going to do an infinite product, for instance. That isn't. I don't have like like there there are plot hooks in yep. in yep. in the in each of these articles, and I could pick one of those and splash that out, or I can come up with something new. But uh, I'd have to really sit down and take the time to make it a, a good a module size adventure or something like that, right? It wouldn't just be a. I mean, you know, you, you never what's, know. What's your favorite part of Galarian World? What's my favorite part of Galarian World? That's a good question. No, I'm not sure. Um, uh, let me think. Um, I just, I do like the, I just like the Abigail Thrun insulting people part. <laughs> I, I think that's pretty hilarious. Um, the um, uh, 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 probably there's a Gebland that would, then which kind of has sort of a, you know. A parade of of undeath uh that is a, has a very mardi gras kind of feel to it because you're you know it's that's the kind of like the adult part of the spark in a lot of ways okay um um and then i think it would be fun to do something like um uh, baba yaga's hut is a restaurant uh <laughs> in irison land and just maybe like have it go you know you're in the restaurant eating and then it goes haywire Right, and it's just moving around, and maybe it even leaves the Earth's <laughs> yes. land, and you're just like, "Wow, Mr. Toad's Wild Ride situation." That's fun. That would be fun. Um, that didn't really say my favorite part, though, did I? I think my thing that I'm one of the things that I'm most proud of is um, the the name of the hidden corridors. They're called the Utilidors in like Disneyland and Disney World Utility Corridors. Uh, I call them the always, uh, which is basically hallways without an H on it. I'm very proud of that little pun. And that's how you get around. That's how you get around. If you're in the know. Well, that's if you're, you know, if you work there, right? You know, you get around and and, and that's how you get from place to place. Nice. Through the always. Very cool. Yeah. You know, I say one thing that I didn't, I'm not in love with about this. I didn't, I haven't read Ports of Call and you guys can tell me about this. But I did read the blog about Galarian World. That was fun. But it's got these two narrators, yeah, mm-hmm. who themselves are—I mean, they're—I mean, they're neat enough characters. But is the whole book filled with them? There's little, the little bits here and there. They sort of like you get introduced to them at the beginning as two travel writers who are having conversations mm-hmm. about these places, and then they just sort of bleep, bleep, bleep. Those were fun to write, though. I'll tell you that. Well, yeah. I mean, I've written some of them. This is the first one I think I've seen for Starfinder, and they've been kind yeah. of a thing in Pathfinder for a while. But I don't think I think Pathfinder uses them a little too heavily, and that makes me a little nervous when I saw that mm. for Ports of Call, because one of the things as an adventure as an adventure writer, one of the things or an adventure developer, mm. one of the pieces of wisdom I give to people a lot is you're not hiding things from the gm the gm has to yeah. know what's going on so you don't want to spring upon them oh by the way the ceo's bodyguard is a spy two-thirds of the way through you tell them up front yeah, this yeah, is yeah. what's true or what's not and i feel like this sort of like in the the blog it's like well maybe the little skittermander sold her soul or maybe i mean Look, I want to use the book. Just tell me whether there are actual devils there selling people's souls or whether they're just pretending. If you wrap it up yeah. in a narrative, I mean, that's interesting to read. And I'm I'm well aware that a lot of these books need to serve. They need to be both interesting to read and useful at the gaming table. I personally tend to lean a little more towards useful at the gaming table. So I think maybe some of my stuff's a little dry as a result. because I'm trying to be efficient at the gaming table. 
but stuff that is sacrificing utility at the gaming table for pure narrative sometimes frustrates me. And when I saw mm. that, I'm like, just tell me whether there are devils taking people's souls there or not. That's what I need to know as a DM. <laughs> or when I'm GM running this, that's what I need to know. Right. So that's the sort of thing that I like to put more in like the plot hook section. It's like, there's this, that, and there's maybe it's a little vague sometimes. Sometimes I'll write, but like, well, some people just did like, I'm always kind of trying to throw out mysteries that, that 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 can get picked up later in a lot of ways. But like, yeah, you don't want to say like, well, obviously there's a person who's Abigail Thrun, who's playing Abigail Thrun and probably that switches off or whatever. And then there's there are costume people dressed up as devils. But then as a plot hook, I mean, like someone, there's another, one of the plot hooks is called Hell Comes to Cheliac's Land, which is of course a reference to Hell Comes to Frogtown. Um, and uh, uh, it says, oh, well, people are not sure whether or not the, you know, they're, devils actually show up and you know like it's so that's the sort of hint of of thing and, okay. and the and the and the the guides are sort of like just there to kind of like add flavor to it right they're like sprat the skittermander's like why won't they let us look at these power cubes what are they hiding i don't know a thing about physics or even have a rudimentary elementary school education but i could i should be able to offer my advice you know just sort of fun to, and and then the, this sharon is like no well obviously they're keeping it trade secrets because you should not be touching things you're a skitter man i do like that i feel like the idea of taking it putting the truth into a plot hook so the gm can be like ah okay now i know and can act i can either pick up that plot hook or not but the fact that you're framing it as a potential story means it's something that it's something that i've got some utility oh the dinos get the dinos could get out like it's pretty clear when you say like there's a raptor petting zoo that that's already fraught with that's a plot (laughs) hook in and of itself right but then you put a you say here in this plot hook well of course the the dinosaurs get out and the you know the the pcs have to do something about it very good well you know i wasn't sure we could spend an entire episode talking about the larian world but i think we've uh managed to do that we had a, with a lot good... of our own amusement park <laughs> stories exactly. and sagas involved as well. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. I think that's what it's all about. So um, we did, uh, I did post um, asking for topics on our Patreon, mm. uh, No Direction. And a couple of people mentioned maybe taking a deeper dive into Starfinder lore because they were familiar with Pathfinder lore, but not so much with Starfinder. And so Maybe that's okay. something we could think about for next time. We could find it's a, a chunk, you know. Yeah, pick it, a yeah chunk Starfinder and, has a lot of lore. Pick a chunk yeah. of it and, and talk about like, I mean, do they want to know more about like the Pact Worlds or something that's more Starfinder? Because Pact Worlds, you know, Castrovale yeah. and Akaton are, are sort of intertwined with Pathfinder stuff in a lot of ways. Uh, or we can, we can just talk about the Vescarium, for instance. That's a big chunk of lore that's new to Starfinder, right? I think we get to choose at this point. Well, sure. I'm so. just giving options. I might, I might, if I'm even involved, let me tell you what I think is interesting for the lore that I went to when I first got the Starfinder book. I'm like, oh, well, I know who the 24 deities are for Pathfinder. In Starfinder, they're different. And that mm-hmm. sets up kind of a lot of different stories. Who's out and who's in, mm-hmm. yeah. and then mm-hmm. who's new is is actually, I think, was one of the, what's one of the first things I, op- I opened the book yeah. to and was yeah. like scouring in the lore, so... Cool. Yeah, Dibs on that cool. if I'm around when we sure. Right. Well, we'll see if, if you're around. Work. We'll talk about gods. If you're not around, we'll talk right. about something we'll else. Talk maybe. about men. Right. No, okay. So, <laughs> all, right. <laughs> all right. Well, this is this has been enjoyable, and uh, Ron, it's it's great uh, when we can get you here, yeah, and you know, and you're uh, legally able to talk about the things we talk about. So that's yep. a lot of fun. Yep. All righty. Well, I'm John, and I'm Ron. 
And I'm Jason, and this has been Digital Divination.